for the church and what it means uh, to be a vineyard church. So please do um, grab one of these on your, on your way out. And there are always multiple different things going on in the church. So what is coming up? Fantastic. So last month, um, we had our first youth gathering, and this is going to be happening the second Sunday of every month, and we're gathering over at Wall's End. I think we had 38 teenagers come together. We had our friends um, from Sunderland Vineyard. We had some young people um, come down from Rothbury. We came over from Marley Hill. Um, It was a really, really, really fab time. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and... um, It is on again next week, so if you have a young person or you know of a young person, oh yes, not next week, the weekend. Thanks, Kerry, you keep me right. So (laughs) it's on in two weeks' time. Uh, That is going to be happening in two weeks' time, so if you've got a young person, then um, please do bring them along and uh, they will have a wonderful time, I am sure. Next week, when the hub's not on, it is in fact... Harvest Festival. Uh, Dave, do you want to briefly tell people a bit about this because you know more about this than I do, so I'll probably just say the wrong thing. Um, We wanted to just create a space to celebrate um, all that we do with Life Projects. We have seen just a massive increase in the number of people we're supporting um, over the last 15, 18 months through the pop-up pantry, through the expansion of grass boots, and just through Biker and everything else we do. And so we wanted just to create a space for us to tell stories, to talk about why it's important that we serve the poor, that we're generous, um, and also an opportunity to collect food, to bring it, and, um, and also we're going to use the offering towards our life projects as well that Sunday morning. Um, and we thought Harvest Festival was a perfect, you know, we're, we've gone all traditional. We thought Harvest Festival was a perfect opportunity because traditionally that's what we talked about, the generosity and the provision of God. And through our hands, God is putting into our hands so we can provide for others across our region. And so that's what's happening next week. Also something very important to note about next week is it is Bring and Share Lunch. So there will be Bring and Share Lunch happening here and there will be Bring and Share Lunch happening in Wall's End. Um, the clue's in the name, but if you've not been to a Bring and Share Lunch before, uh, we just encourage the church to stick around for a bit longer and everyone just brings a, a little something. We put it out on the table. Um, we pray the Lord multiplies it and it all tastes really good. And then we... Um, go and fill our boots so if you've not been to one do stick around it's a lovely way just to have some more time to chat and to get to know each other and to try other people's um, nice tasty food so that is next week wonderful as a church we love to pray Um, so we are going to take a few minutes and I'm going to tell you what we are going to be praying for today so if you were at one church Sunday I think it was about March time Uh, we talked about something called vineyard partnerships. So vineyard partnerships happen when a vineyard church partners with another church and helps them financially, um, through prayer, through support, through chat, um, sometimes through a visit. So Nicola has a fantastic relationship with um, Melangundi Vineyard, which is over in Malawi. A few years back she went to visit them and... um, Recently, we sent them a gift over to help them because they're going to have a conference in November. So I'll tell you a tiny little little bit about them. So in October 17, they had a small group of about 40 people. They're led by a lovely couple called Janet and Chippo. 
and they have really grown and seen um, God's favour. And now they have, says they have three very healthy church plants and five small groups in other villages. So they're quite spread out. Um, and in November, they're coming together and they're having a conference. So Chippo asked when he said, what would you like us to pray for? He said, please, can you pray for our conference? Um, that it's really impactful for our leaders, that for the people speaking at it, um, for safe travel and just God's blessing over that. So we would love just to gather in little groups of people sitting next to us or if you'd like to pray on your own, that's absolutely fine as well, however you feel comfortable. So we're going to spend a few minutes praying for, let's pray for Malawi and let's pray for Janet and Chippo and their church and their conference.
Amen. I'm just going to pray for David as he comes and shares God's word with us. Lord, we just uh, thank you for thank you for David. Thank you for the time that he has spent listening to you and in your word. And I pray, Father, that as he speaks, he would know your presence upon him and that we would hear your voice speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Slick as ever. Um, good morning. My name's David, as Caroline said, and um, it's just great to be here. We love One Church Sundays, and you know you get various numbers of people coming along from from over the over the river. But it's just great when we gather. Just remember that we are one church that just happens to meet in currently three locations during the week, and um, and serving three very different communities as well as many other communities that we're serving. Um, as Caroline said, my name's David, and with Nicola, who's up in um, the kids, um, sh- we planted this church just over 17 years ago. 12th of September was our birthday, um, 17 years. Um, we're still a teenager, just. Um, four adults and three under threes planted the church. That was the pl- church planting team that moved from Trent Vineyard, Nottingham. And it's been an adventure. So it's just wonderful to see even part of the church gathered in one place on a Sunday to see just what the Lord has done in our midst and as we've served and followed his leading. Over the last three weeks, we have explored um, this whole idea of curious. And we've looked at being curious about God, we've looked at being curious about Jesus, and we've looked at being curious about faith. And in a way, in a nutshell, what we've looked at is that God is not this distant, disinterested God. He knows our very name. We unpack that Jesus is God that became man and died in our place so that we could have life to the full for eternity. And then last week, Mike and Joe just really unpacked what faith looks like. That faith in Jesus in God is not reliant on what we see around us, but rather where we fix our eyes on who we see in front of us. And I think that's really important. I can actually get my pages undone. Um, It's really important for us to understand. So I'm going to say it again. Faith is not reliant on what we see around us, but rather on who we see in front of us when we fix our eyes on Jesus. And Mike and Joe did a great job of unpacking that a little bit last week, and I'm going to pick up on some of that this week too. So today we're going to, I gave myself um, the difficult topic, curious about the chaos all around. That's what we're going to look at today, curious about the chaos all around. So I'm going to quickly pray and then we're going to launch in. So Father God, I thank you so much that we are here and we can worship your name. And Lord, as we just explore the kind of world we live in, just help us to understand where you are in the midst of it all. That we would have even greater faith in your love and compassion and provision for us all. Amen. So I finished this talk yesterday 
Um, and um, I thought I'd just have a look at the BBC News website and see what's actually going on in the world. Um, well, of course, we've got the war in Ukraine um, and all that's going around that. And there's a certain celebrity, naming no names, um, who is being accused of multiple sexual offences, historical. We've got ethnic cleansing in Karabakh. Two celebrities who were married and are getting divorced are now suing each other over their children. The cost of living crisis is ever-present. Energy crisis is ever-present. Then, of course, if you dig a little bit deeper into the news, you see that there is still an ongoing climate crisis. Floods, wildfires, ice caps melting. It's seemingly commonplace, isn't it, that you see stories of moral failures of politicians around the world. No different in this country. And I could go on, there is really chaos all around. In fact, not just chaos, but actually a dismantling of morality. You know, the increasing greed and the need for power and all manner of detestable ways human beings can hurt other human beings. The world seems to be pretty chaotic. But none of this is a surprise when you read the words of Jesus. So I'm going to pick up Matthew 24. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things, the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn from faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, we see in this passage that wars, rumors, and threats of war, famines, earthquakes, persecution, an increase in wickedness, an erosion of love, prophets and false messiah figures who through lies and deceit lead many people astray. And it sounds sadly familiar of the chaos we see across the earth. However, there is hope. There is hope. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Who keeps their eyes fixed on Jesus will be saved. And because of the state of the world and the desperate needs of human beings for Jesus, whether they recognize it or not, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. Only then will Jesus return and bring an end to this age. I think it's really important um, for us all to understand that Jesus prophesied these things. That Jesus did not try and paint a Facebook image of faith, you know that bit where you only show the good bits and you don't show any of the bad bits. He showed and talked about the hard things. He was honest, completely honest, about what we call the end times. And you know, and that word has been used in Christian kind of churches for lots of things. It simply means 
the bit between Jesus coming for the first time and Jesus returning to wrap up this age. That's the end time. It's the bit we live in now, in the middle. So, you know, that's, Jesus talks about this time and he tells us that it's not going to be easy, that there are going to be challenges and difficulties. But at some point he will return. You know, sometimes Western Christians especially can focus on the awesome and the abundant elements of faith in Jesus and not embrace the reality of the times we live. That being a follower of Jesus in the 21st century is not an easy path. It is a narrow one. So on one side of the coin, we have this chaos, increased wickedness, and erosion of love. Then on the other side of the coin, we have the expansion of the kingdom of God and the renewal of all things. So Matthew 19 says this, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. Revelation 21, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Revelation 21.4, the, the verse before, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more pain, death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. I've got it in the wrong order. The old order of things has passed away. That bit's important when we read the next little passage, Matthew 6, 9-10. This, then, is how you should pray. And we've just been praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now we've seen Jesus' plans for heaven and what he's saying is actually we can begin to see those things in heaven happen today. His kingdom come, healings, salvations, kind of the, the kind of people being supported and cared for, provision, breakthrough, all of those things, they happen. And that's the other side of the coin. So you have the kingdom of darkness that is, that is just bringing destruction and lies and deceit and pain and hurt and death. And then you have the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that's breaking in, that's pushing back the schemes of the enemy, that's bringing hope and life and healing and restoration and renewal. And so you have these two kingdoms that are clashing. You have two sides of the coin. You know, in the vineyard, we sometimes call that the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We see the kingdom come, but we don't always see it come in the way we expect. Um, there is a, a phrase that is used to describe this, which is the meta-narrative of the Christian faith. We that's the overarching story, that there is a battle going on between two kingdoms, the kingdom that is evil and destruction and the kingdom of life, the kingdom of God. But we know who wins. That's the good news. We know, we've read the last page of the story and we know that Jesus sits on the throne and that he is king over everything. But it's important for us to realize that there is two sides to the coin. That being a Christian doesn't mean that everything is awesome, that everything is easy, and that every prayer is answered. We cannot stand firm in our faith if we only have half of the story. We need to understand both the blessing and the suffering, the destruction and the renewal, sickness and healing, freedom and persecution, peace and war, good and evil, abundance and seeming lack. We need to have both sides of the story. The now and the not yet of the kingdom. 
You know, we can't fully understand Jesus if we don't understand this overarching story. Both sides of the coin. So that leads me to my second point. The now and the not yet in our life, in your life. I came across um, this BBC news story. I think it's going to pop up. I've done my PowerPoint right. And... um, That's my timer. I'm off. <laughs> I've only had five minutes today. They've shortened it. They've read the rest of my talk and they're saying it's not worth carrying on with. Um, so anyway, go back to it. Across this, the B- on BBC, I found this story about some evangelical Christians in Guatemala um, who were living in extreme poverty, like super extreme poverty, like we can't possibly imagine. The town in which they live is called Almalonga. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it was transformed when God blessed them with giant carrots and vegetables. It's true. It's all over the place if you look at it. Um, And it saved people out of poverty. That town, all of a sudden, was renewed. They became out of poverty. And there you can see the carrots. I was going to pick some of mine out of the garden and show you in in comparison. Um, But they were so bad and so riddled with all sorts of horrible things that I thought I wouldn't bring them. Um, So I don't know whether that's a sign of blessing or favour, I'm not sure. Um, Anyway, I love this because it's such a physical example of the abundant blessing of God. However, they are saved from poverty, but they're still not wealthy in the eyes of the world. They don't drive big cars and they don't live in mansions. Uh, I bet they work really, really hard to grow and harvest the vegetables. Um, they run a business and they, to bring in money so that it lifts people out of extreme poverty. They can put food on the table. The kingdom has broken in in a wonderfully creative way. But it's still true. Oxfam says that the wealthiest 1% equals the other 99%. The wealth of the top 1% is the same wealth as the rest of the world. The now and the not yet of the kingdom. This community work really hard. They trust Jesus. And they're blessed by giant veg. Lord, bless my raised beds, because I could do with some giant veg. (laughs) But they are still in the 99%. And that's the tension we live in. As Christians, we we see blessings, favor, answered prayer, and at times real abundance in lots of areas of our life. But we also have battles, challenges, sickness, financial challenges, and more. And Nicola and I can testify to all of those things over what is nearly 25 years of marriage. Exciting times. Um, I'm sure we can all testify to the valleys as well as the mountaintops. It struck me that this community one day must have felt compelled to plant some carrots, or carrot seeds, should I say, to tend the land. Now, maybe they're already farmers. I haven't really read into the whole backstory of this town, but maybe they're already farmers for generations. But they never gave up believing that Jesus would provide. I think it's brilliant. 
My point is they stood firm in the poverty and the difficulty. You see, none of us know what's around the corner. We do live in a broken world where the devil is seeking to extend his warped and evil kingdom. But we need to be like this community that never stops believing, that seek first his kingdom and experience the blessing in the sweat and the toil. And I can testify to this blessing this week. For those of you that have been around Life Vineyard for the last six months, you will remember me standing up, kind of, I can't remember where I came, I think I came over here, I can't remember, um, and doing the Vision 2023 series. And um, I talked about the running costs and the maintenance of our buildings, as well as the impact of inflation on Life Vineyard Church and all of the activities we do. We're a busy, active church, and we do loads of things. And, um, and so we, I shared that. And the church, once again, incredibly was generous. And we saw regular giving increase. And actually, we've seen it increase to the highest level it's ever been in history, in the history of the last 17 years. It was just incredible. And many people gave one-off gifts as well. It was such a blessing. However, prices keep rising, costs keep coming. These buildings are wonderful, but they need to be maintained and kept fully compliant. And so as trustees, we sat down a couple of Thursdays ago looked at the budget forecast and thought, we need to reduce expenditure. That's the job of trustees. If you don't know what our trustees do, they are amazing people. They, they cover the underbelly of the church. They do all of the difficult stuff. And their basic job is to keep us in the black and out of prison. That's what they do. And they do a pretty good job of it most of the time. And um, I've only spent a few days. No, I haven't really. Um, they keep us fully compliant. That's what they do. And they have to make some difficult calls sometimes. And so anyway, we just went away from this meeting. Um, and Nicola and I have been seeking the Lord and asking, okay, what do we do in this situation, Jesus? What do you want us to do? How do we reduce the costs? How, what is this, your plan for this time? And so we sat and prayed. And I just decided, well, I'm going to go and do some supply teaching for a season. That's what I'll do. That's the way the Lord wants us to answer this problem. And so I made a few calls. I was like, I haven't taught for eight years. I was like, goodness, this could be interesting. And um, so I made a few calls, spoke to this guy, and in 48 hours I had a four-week placement in a school um, full-time. And it just felt like God's provision. It's not what we expected. It wasn't part of the plan five-year plan but we never know what's around the corner so I shared this with a few people over the last few days and, and I've had varying responses some people are like yeah it makes absolute sense others are like are you sure that sounds a bit left field and um, but I know God's in it Nicola and I know God's in it you know when we were called to lead this church and I shared like at the start for a reason 17 years ago with four adults and three children, and we've journeyed this 17 years, God never told us what each season might bring. He's led us forward, he's led us into those seasons, but he's never told us what challenges we might face. And so we don't come into this with any expectation of what leading a church might look like in any given season. And in this season, 
I need to plant some carrot seeds on behalf of the church family. I need to plant some seeds and trust the Lord will grow the giant carrots. And so that's what I'm going to do. So I'm not disappearing. You'll still have to listen to me waffle on on a Sunday morning from time to time when I come over here and probably more so at Wall's End. Nicola and I still lead in this church. It'll just look a little bit different for a season. And you know, we all know that the mission of the church is not found in working for a church. That actually the majority of people in this room and in the church, the 400 or so of us that call this church home, the majority of adults are not working for the church. They're out expressing their faith in the world, in work, at the school gate, with their families, with their friends. And so I'm kind of excited of the opportunities the Lord might bring. I get to work and talk and be present with a whole load of people I never expected to. And my prayer is I get to share a little bit about Jesus with them. I don't think it will do me any harm at all to step back into that, that world and away from church for a season. For a season. We're not going anywhere. This is still the church Jesus has called us to lead. But he's leading us to teach him for a little, little while. We have an amazing staff team. Amazing leaders. And so this church will thrive, continue to grow, continue to impact the world whether I'm sat at my desk or whether I'm in a church, in a school teaching. And we all get to play our part. We're a family. We're a family. We're going to have a leaders meeting tomorrow night and um, the title, t- title of tomorrow night's leaders meeting is Being Family. Being Family. And we're all family. And so we all have to play our part. So... I'm going to throw the usual invite out to all of us to give of our time, our energy, and our money. You know, time and energy, that's serving people. That's serving this family in whatever way we can. It's giving of our money, of our tithes and offerings into the church to facilitate the mission and the ministry of the church. It takes all of us to contribute and play our part, not just paid members of staff. So I'm just throwing it out there as an invite to us all for this to be a season of us coming together as a family in even greater measure. Okay, the not, now not yet of the kingdom. The cost of living and energy crisis. The now of the kingdom provision through work for me. And it's not what I expected, but it is what God had in mind. So what about you? What about you? What about your life? What's going on with you? I know for some of you, the valleys are much more challenging than having to go into teaching for a season. You might have challenges around health, around personal finance, around relationships, some really, really hard stuff that you're having to journey. The valleys might seem really low and really dark. The chaos is actually not all around. It's very close to home. It feels very personal. It feels very overwhelming. 
You know, do you feel hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down? Do these things, are this, is this what you're feeling, you know, even in the smallest of ways? You know, does life feel hard, confusing? And are you wondering where Jesus is in the midst of the trouble? Well, I find 2 Corinthians 4 really helpful. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. You might be hard-pressed, but you don't have to be crushed. You might be perplexed, if I can say it, but you don't have to be in despair. You might be persecuted, but you don't have to be abandoned. You might be struck down, but you don't have to be destroyed. So where is Jesus for those that put their trust in him? He's right there with you. He's right there with you. Ensuring you are not crushed, you're not in despair, you're not abandoned, and you're not destroyed. And when we seek first his kingdom, he, in return, releases his blessing and favor upon our life, even when it doesn't look always what we expected and hoped for. You know, we cannot escape the times we live in. The kingdom of God is being extended. We see it every day. Things are being renewed, and the evil schemes of the enemy are being pushed back. But the kingdom of darkness is still at large, and we don't always see the reality of heaven here on earth. We don't always see it. And it's important that we know this in our own faith. Because if our faith is built on only half the story, if our faith is built on Christian life is always going to be awesome, it's never going to be hard. We'll never, we won't have a framework for those hard times. We won't have a compass that helps us navigate when the valleys come. And we will all go through seasons that are hard. Even seasons of suffering. We have to have a framework for both sides of the story. We need to know that Jesus is with us in the challenge. He is with us in the challenge and in the suffering. You know, if everything has to be awesome for faith to mean something, then we'll just believe he's abandoned us when things get hard. And that's the very opposite of what he actually does. And this leads me to my final question. And this is a question to us all. How do we respond to Jesus when life is not what we expected it to be? How do we respond to Jesus when life is not what we expected it to be? You know, the pandemic was horrific. <laughs> um, and it held up a mirror to every Christian on the planet. It asked a question about their faith. How are we to respond when the chaos all around us in the pandemic, was suddenly turned up to fever pitch. When everything we put our trust in outside of God seemed to be flipped on its head in the space of days. What happened to people's faith then, and also as things started to emerge and return to something more of normality? Well, I think I can summarize it in three 
general responses. There are some who have emerged with even greater faith and commitment to Jesus and his church. And we see that all around us. There are those that have faith in Jesus, but it looks different than it did before. They keep the church at arm's length. Maybe come along once, maybe twice a month on a good month. But that's it. That's as far as their faith goes. Other things have gone up the list of importance. And then there is those that have simply just disappeared. They've just disappeared. They they just never came back after lockdown. Across the whole church in the West, there's like, I think there's some crazy statistic, like a third of people just never came back to church. Their faith just kind of waned. Now, the pandemic was terrible, but it did reveal the depth of our faith and trust in Jesus. It really shone a light upon our hearts and where we fix our eyes. And I've seen these responses as a pastor for 17 years, all throughout that time, in more microcosmic, microcosmic? Microcosms, you know, of people's lives. You know, we see people go through challenges and they respond in one of those three ways. Always. But what about those that don't know Jesus? You might be here and you don't actually know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you know, you don't have faith in him. Well, I think there's three responses for people who don't know Jesus too. For those that don't know Jesus, when stuff that happens that's bad, it's God's fault. Even if they don't believe in God. I'm sure we've all had those conversations. Um, for others, it's just another sign that God doesn't exist. And then there is another category. And again, we saw those guys during the pandemic that realized in the pain and the suffering and the difficulty their need for God, their need for Jesus in their life, even if they don't have a framework for who God is. So I suppose I can summarize whether you're Christian or whether you're not a Christian, those three options in a simple question. Are you walking towards Jesus or have you turned your back on him and you're walking away? Are you walking towards Jesus or are you walking away from Jesus? In the suffering and the difficulty, are you walking towards Jesus? Are you running towards him? Or have you turned away thinking he's abandoned you? As a non-Christian, are you in the pain and the suffering looking for God to come and help you? You realize you can't do life on your own. You need him to come and break in. Or are you trying to somehow manage it on your own, in your own strength? Are you walking towards Jesus or away from him? So there's two questions. We're going to finish now. We're going to have a time just to respond personally. And then we're going to have a time in ministry. And then we're going to have a space for people to make commitments to Jesus if that's what you'd like to do today so I want you to think about two questions two questions are you walking towards Jesus or away from Jesus I don't know the answer to that question I don't know what's going on in your heart only you know the answer to that 
And do you recognize your need for Jesus or are you choosing to press on in your own strength with your own wisdom? Have a think of that. Spend some time just looking at your life and see where you are. And I'll give you the heads up. What we're going to do as part of our response is we've got these little cards and we've made the best efforts in the vineyard to make a little altar. Couldn't find matches, but let's not worry about that. And, um, <laughs> and so what we're going to do is at the end of this time, we're gonna, we've got some cards and some pens. And the bits that we're carrying that we need to give to Jesus, we're just going to write on those bits of paper. And then the offering baskets are going to come around. We're going to collect them up and we're going to put them on the altar before Jesus. And it's just a symbol that we're choosing to turn and follow Jesus. We're choosing to walk towards him. We're choosing to give him our burdens and our pain and our suffering. Now, you don't have to, contrib- you don't have to participate in that. But we're going to pass them around in a bit. But just take a couple of minutes to think about those questions and we'll get these things passed around and then we'll go into ministry.
waiting at the cross and all the world holds still I count in all this love for the sake of knowing you the glory of your name to know the lasting joy and even sharing in your pain Surrender all to you, all to you, and I surrender all to you, all to you, giving you. My heart and all that is within, I lay it all down for the sake of you, my King. Giving you my dreams, laying down my right, giving up my pride for the promise of new life. Um, stay in this place of um, of reflection and response um, I just really want to just encourage you just to listen to the words of this song about surrender about laying our lives down before Jesus you know, we're all responsible for the direction we're walking we're all responsible whether it's towards Jesus or away from him. So just as we listen, as we reflect, as we worship, maybe quietly, even if you want to stand and sing, that's fine as well. I'm just going to pass these baskets around. And, and what I'll do is fold up that bit of paper and just pop it in. And we're just going to symbolically put it on this table here as a way of saying we're giving these things to Jesus. That's putting before the foot of his cross. And then we'll just see if the Lord wants to do some ministry. So Jess, just feel free to join in worship. The baskets will come round and then we'll see where the Lord leads next. Oh, to you. 
And all the world holds still I count it all as love For the sake of knowing you The glory of your name To know the lasting joy Even sharing in your pain reminded of the story of Moses um, when he was praying over the Israelites in battle and um, he had his arms out and um, he got weary and his arms started to fall and I can never remember the second one but I'm sure one of them was Aaron stood and held an arm up another person stood and held the other one up and um, <laughs> thank you Beverly um, and um, and the, 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 the moral to the story was we cannot do this on our own and so it might be that you're here and you are carrying burdens. You are in difficult spots. Life is tricky. And you're really seeing the kind of, the, the, the difficult side of the coin, the difficult side of the story in your life. And I think what would be really great is just to pray for you. And so, um, that's really, how should we do this? If we could all stand, that would be amazing. reason I've asked to stand is because if I just ask the people who want prayer to stand it feels very kind of visible whereas this just helps people to to get prayer without feeling like everybody's watching so um, if you would like prayer if you feel like you're in a really tricky situation a really hard valley then can I just ask you pop your hands out in front of you palms up so you know just put put it out in front of you and then what I'd love because this whole thing, this real feels like we had strategy last week, and this whole thing about being family seems really important. So can we be family? Can we get out of our seats? Can we wander around? Can we see who's got their hands out in front of them and just go and bless what the Lord's doing? And you know what? If we feel like somebody needs something and they've not got their hands out, then let's just be a bit brave and just go and say, can I pray for you anyway? So can we do that? Let's not leave anybody. I can already see the Holy Spirit just really moving on people's lives. So let's just do it. So guys, let's be church. Let's be church. Let's move and let's be laying hands on people. Jeff, if just carry on singing over us. Come on, guys. Let's be moving around. If you're not needing ministry, let's be moving. Let's be praying. Let's be seeing what the Lord wants to do. Never alone, never forsaken, pouring out that you are with me to the end. I'm safe in your arms, a child of the Father, such a loving, gentle, mighty, faithful friend.
never alone I'll always be cherished For your blessing is for me every day My king's on the throne He's ruling the nations Oh my Jesus, you are with me, come what may Holding on for hope, clinging on to Jesus, praying for a change to come. Laying down this pain and all of my frustrations, oh God, let your kingdom come. Silence falls, and I'm standing in the valley where no one hope be found. So I lift my eyes to the watchman on the hillside, whose love and grace abound. Never alone, I'm never forsaken. For I know that you are with me to the end. I'm safe in your arms, the child of the Father. Such a loving, gentle, mighty, faithful friend. I'm never alone, I'll always be cherished, for your blessing is upon me every day, my king's on the throne, he's ruling the nations, oh my Jesus here, with me come what To your cross, the source of hope and healing, where you took my sin and shame. What a sacrifice, love and mercy flowing. Thank you for that glorious. And I'm standing in the valley I know where hope is found So I lift my eyes To the watchman on the hillside Whose love and grace abound I'm never alone I'm never forsaken, for I know that you are with me to the end. I'm safe in your arms, the child of the Father, such a loving, gentle, mighty, faithful friend. 
I'm never alone Cause I'll always be cherished For your blessing is upon me every day My King's on the throne He's ruling the nations All my Jesus here With me come what may Oh, my Jesus here, with me, come what may. Oh, Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for church, for friends, for family. That this is the way you designed life to be, that we live, we fixed our eyes on you, surrounded by people who love us and care for us and hold us up in the difficult times. You know, it's quite emotional to look out and see just so much love and care for each other. It's the way the church should be. That we should be family, that we should love and support and care and hold each other up. And um, it was just beautiful. So um, I think we need to leave it there before I do get emotional. But... um, Thanks for coming. I'm sure the kids team would love to see you. Grab a coffee. Um, and I think you can listen to Jeff's song on YouTube because it is beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful song. Have a good week. We've also got some um, lovely gifts and Christian merchandise in the bar today. Some of it is homemade um, at very good prices. If you'd love to support Emma and Anna who have created some lovely things.
So have a look in there before you go home today and check it out.
Yeah. 
you